Hi, I'm Rachel England, and this is Brain Yapping, Battle Damaged, a podcast where me and my friend and renowned neuroscientist Dean Burnett discuss all matters mental health, because 2020 really did its best to kick the crap out of ours. Hey, Dean. Hey, Rachel. How was things? Uh, well, pretty much the same as usual, like... (laughs) You know, like, it, it it's consistent gets, lately, isn't it? Yes. It gets a bit tedious after a while trying to think of new ways to say sweet fuck all. <laughs> valid, valid point. You know, um, no, yeah, no yeah. news is good news, I suppose. Just bimbling along as best as lockdown allows. Hey, bimbling. First bimbling in the new series. I've, uh, I wanted to try and adopt that term more, but I can't seem to fit it naturally into my vocabulary. So I always like it when you say it. Oh, well, I I have to be honest, I feel like I've used it more during lockdown than I have in my entire life, because obviously people are like, hey, how's it going? And my <laughs> default response is, you know, bimbling along. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't heard you say it for a while, so I, I'm, I'm quite pleased that it's on the record now. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, I'm getting good mileage out of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, this is where we're at now. It's like, oh, there's a word I like. <laughs> I know. That's the heart of my day. <laughs> this, this is it. What's the most exciting thing that's happened to you recently? Well, I found a new word I like. Sorry, I've forgotten how to speak to people. <laughs> yeah. Well, even that, it's like, oh, I, I was reminded of a word I liked. <laughs> that's literally, that's like, that's, the week is downhill from here now. I think that's, that's, that's it. You've, you've peaked. That's it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, moving on. Um, we are recording this at the end of February, and this is the week that some of the kids have gone back to school, which works out nicely because today we're going to talk about children and the impact of the pandemic on their mental health, their mental well-being, and sort of looking ahead, perhaps, you know, their, their sort of formative development, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I obviously don't have kids. Uh, I have plenty of friends that do. So I've been listening to to their concerns over the last year or so. You, however, Dean, obviously have two adorable children. You've been over this, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, please refer back to the first season of this podcast where we mentioned his adorable children every (laughs) episode. (laughs) Episode two specifically, though. You you made it about them, which is nice. Um, So... Before we sort of like dive in with the nitty gritty, I'm really interested to hear what your take on this has been. How do you think your kids have reacted to essentially a year of insanity? Um, yeah, well, it's obviously there's the caveat that my kids have also lost a grandfather and you know, other you know, other family members too in the process. So, mm. so um, you know, it's, there's going to be that uh, <clears throat> extra variable with my kids. And um, like my daughter's gone back to school today, so she's been quite pleased about that. And like my daughter's five, my son is eight. And they've been okay. Um, compared to some kids, I, I've heard like they've actually handled it reasonably well. Like they get a lot more time to use their tablets. They get a lot more like chilled out uh, mornings because they're going to get up and be ready for school and stuff. But um, my daughter seems fine, and she, she's always been a quite confident character. You know, she's um, she's coming along nicely. Her, you know, her vocabulary's improving. Her motor skills, her writing abilities are improving, and. With all the homeschooling, we can sort of see, oh, she's actually quite good at this and things like that. So she's been all right, but she's always been a little bit, I don't want to say behind her friends, but because she's so independent, like, mm-hmm. it's like she, she doesn't talk as much as her friends, but you often get the impression it's purely because she doesn't want to rather than she can't, because when she gets going, she just babbles on for hours. So Well, that's it. The, the yeah. times that I've had the pleasure of meeting her, she always seems like she's 
very thoughtful mm. and she's mm. she's thinking constantly yeah, she's got a thinking face on a lot of the time and it's yeah. um, so I think she's okay i mean it's, it's it's impossible to compare but you need to peek into a parallel dimension where none of this happened mm. and see what she was like then you know we're a year of normal school a normal family well that's existence. it isn't it it's it's there's just the in, the invisible comparison nobody knows what their kid would have been like otherwise mm. yeah but um i will say my son millen he he is regressing a bit in terms of he's, he's not like less intelligent than he was he's always been a bright kid but like he's more anxious now he is like constantly checking where we are you know it's like if i'm not not in the room he gets a little bit panicky even when he's like playing Fortnite, which normally he, you know, at the start of lockdown, he was just engrossed for hours on end. You couldn't move him, but now he's constantly getting up to see what we're doing or where we are and things. And you've not, you, you notice the the change. And I think it's obviously because it's been a year now, and he's, you know, the only consistent consistent part of his life now is us, you know, mm. his, his immediate family. So we take on a much bigger presence in his in his worldview. Pardon me. Um, disgusting time for that, but. <laughs> <laughs> Um, worldview burp yeah perfect <laughs> yeah. i'd say that's perfect climbing actually okay yeah well i'll, I'll leave it in then <laughs> that's fine to me editing um but yeah so you can tell he's becoming a bit more anxious and stuff like he was so outgoing beforehand um mm. he's, he's still kind of he's, like, he's, a, he's a confident kid you know but you can see the cracks appearing a bit and he's really really keen to go back to school so you know it's his, his mental abilities haven't declined at all like he's coming on nicely he's doing the homeschooling he's like i said last time He's doing math by himself, which most parents would probably like want to strangle me for, which I understand perfectly. But but you can tell like, again, lots yeah. of parent listeners going, mm, "Good for you, Dean," as yeah. they're like literally tearing their hair out trying to help their kids with their math homework. Yeah, but like I said, the, the youngest one um, currently regards sleep as an optional extra. <laughs> Sometimes she doesn't want to pay pay for premium, so no sleep it is, and therefore <laughs> none, of us, none of us get it, <laughs> and that's not good. <laughs> You've got no escape, but. Um, yeah, so I, I, yes, it has affected him. It will affect him, but because because we did have the oh the sort of was it September till December gap where there was no essentially no lockdown for a bit. Hmm. As soon as he got back into like he loves football, which is weird for me because I've never been an athletic person in any sense, way shape or form, or fan of sport. But he just got into it, and now he loves football. He's one of the team. He's got, you know, he's really good at it. He's adept, and he used to go like three times a week training. He loved it. When the first lockdown happened, we tried to keep it up, like practicing the garden. He just quickly lost interest, and because it's not a team sport anymore, it's just me and him. And I don't know what's going on, or his mother doesn't be, you know, follow the, the thing. He's, there's no way to. He just lost interest as soon as he got back mm. again. He just rebounded straight back into oh, football again. Now let's do more and more and more and more. So it's the companionship. I think he, you know, he needs more than anything. It's the it's the connections with his friends and his um and his teammates and stuff. And I think he's really feeling the, the, the lack of that this time around. You said that he he rebounded like the the first time when the sort of restrictions were lifted a bit. Hmm. Uh, a, a lot of the the worries that I'm hearing from from my parent friends are that this is going to have some kind of terrible consequence on their kids, um, you know, development and could come potentially come back to bite them on the ass in. I don't know, next year or five years or ten years, and there seems to be this worry that there might be some sort of generation of lost covid children hmm. um but do you think that kids are by and large more resilient than that or is this something that could really affect their their development in the long run i think kids are a lot more resilient than they're often given credit for and i think a lot of mainstream media stuff uh, can be blamed for this 
assumption that kids are delicate flowers and must be kept in like world cocoons the whole childhood. I mean, again, I've, I've talked about it before in other things, but every time like, uh, like Susan Greenfield has done for this, but it's not by far, far from the only one, but every time there's a new technology or a new thing online, it's always like, oh, it's it's harmful to children's brains. Like if they pay, play like a smartphone for two hours a day, it's, it damages their brain. And like, that, that's not how it works. So the, the brain maybe does adapt and you know, in response to constant stimulation by whatever this thing is. But the brain adapts a lot. You know, it's constantly shifting, and especially when you're a child, and it's by far it's most flexible and adaptable and develop, still developing. They've actually done studies like, yes, some kids don't memorize things as well if you, if you give them a smartphone the whole time. They just look things up. But when they stop doing that, then you know, the, 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 the memory abilities just revert back to normal. So if this was a more long-term thing, I say if it's like a five-year thing, which... God, hopefully it's not going to be. Oh, no, it's like, like they're not already. Don't even say it. That's happened before. Hey, I'm the science guy. I got to be realistic. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so if they were deprived of like school and community for you know, the best part of a decade, then yeah, you definitely would see some long-term impacts of that because how can you not? But you know, it's not been that consistent. It's not been constantly deprived of school and stuff. I mean, the educational development and like where they are. In that sense, it's almost like a cultural construct. As in, like you know, at this point in life, you should be able to do these things, and mm. you know, that's basically a product of our education system. Maybe now it'll be a bit later before they can do that, but that doesn't mean they never will. It doesn't mean they won't they somehow lack that ability. These milestones and deadlines we put on them they're entirely created you know, over trial and error. They're there for a reason, but they're not, um, uh, you know, they're not hard and fast rules. They're not, uh, you know. I think there was a theory like Piaget's stages of development. That was a dominant theory for a while. He interviewed the scientist guy, interviewed you know, hundreds of children, and said, like, at age four to eight, you can do this. At age like eight to 12, you can only do this. 12 to 16, you can only do this thing. This is when your mathematical skills come in. And everyone thought that was the rule for a long time. But then go somewhere like Zimbabwe, like, this is, this is what they did, um, find like, oh, some of these kids work in their parents' shops at age eight and they can do the maths fine, you know, because they have to do handle the money and stuff. So, yeah, so it, there's no sort of, you know, if we don't do it this year, then that's it, they're doomed. This, that's mm. not how the brain works at all. So I wouldn't worry about that. It's just more like there could be, you know, deficits or weaknesses which need to be worked on further down the line rather than if I don't, you know, there's no window here. Like if I don't, if I don't catch this window, then... Might as well throw a kid in the bin because there's no coming back from that. So that's not <laughs> Which how it works. I'm I'm pretty sure a lot of parents would be willing to do after nearly a year with them constantly. Absolutely, I heard people say like there'll be um you know, at the start of this like so there'll be a post lockdown baby boom, and some said yeah they'll all be first children. <laughs> no one's yes. going to want another one. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Okay, so I mean that's that's the sort of like the developmental element of things in terms of and, and that's aligned very closely to education and schooling because that's obviously been the conversation of this time isn't it the kids are not in school Mm. um but i mean running alongside that is obviously the social element um and uh our friend laura for example um and my godson griff he has seen his parents and his grandparents intermittently for the best part of year but he is now 18 months old Mm. and before all of this i feel like he and i had not any kind of 
you know, solid bond because he was a baby. <laughs> but it's hard to bond with a baby when you're not their parent, isn't it? It's exactly. Very, but do a lot. I think that he did at least sort of have some idea of maybe who I was, you mm. know, or it, it wasn't terrifying for him at least to be like thrust into my arms. Okay, so we'll take that as a win. <laughs> However, having not seen him now for a year, I think, okay, so he it seems unlikely that he's going to remember who I am, you know. And it seems unlikely that he'll remember who anyone is outside of his immediate family unit. What impact will that have on him, you know, perhaps socialising with other kids or, you know, being socially responsive to adults, that sort of thing? Um, <clears throat> it's really hard to say with any certainty because obviously kids are kids and like everyone's different and everyone has their own individual situation. I mean, I was a really, really, really anxious, shy kid for the, for quite a while. I was in, I was in primary school, well in the primary school before I started making any friends. And I think that's to do with the fact that I was, I seemed to be a default sort of, you know, not especially outgoing kid anyway. Uh, but when I was born, my parents had me in like this tiny little house in the, one of the houses in, in the valley, the typical terrace street. And it was just the three of us, you know, my grandparents in and out all the time. But you know, that, that was my you know, tiny little world uh, with my parents in it. And then when I was two, we moved into the pub I grew up in. And I suspect that was a, you know, in hindsight, like I go from the small little environment where, you know, totally safe, totally connected to my mother at all times, to this massive, big, drafty building with strangers everywhere, count, countless people in and out. And I think that really sort of knocked me back and put me into my shell for a really, for a really long time. I remember mm. in school, like in primary school for the first few years, I had to eat lunch and didn't let you sit with me because I was too shy to sit next to anyone. Um, sorry, surely came out of it, but it was well after the age of four or five. So, even if you do have like this weird, you uh, know, stilted or like disrupted early stage development, the, the brain is still so plastic and flexible that they, you can sort of like catch up. You can make amends for that sort of thing. As to whether or not you will, that's obviously down to the individual in the situation. Um, we have like video calling now. I mean, imagine you've seen Griff on a video call at least a couple of times. Have you? Or... Yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So like, he has seen you. He has heard your voice. He has, you know, he has a sensory imprint of you. And especially because you were such a big part of his early life. And also, you've got a distinct shape as well. Like, a, yeah, not shape, distinct um, image. You've got, you've I, got suppose, the, I suppose I am interesting visually for a baby. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you've got the bright red hair. You're sort of quite tall and stuff. So, like, that will be quite, you know, really making a good imprint, I, I imagine. And you know, I feel like this sounds like an insult, but it's really not meant to be. No, <laughs> no, not... I love it. I love the idea that I'm just, like, unknowingly imprinting on people's babies. <laughs> Why not? I mean, obviously now it won't be unknowingly. Now it'll do it on purpose. Just loom over something. Then, uh... Just stare at this baby until I've imprinted on them. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't think he'll forget you. Um, I think he might sort of get, uh, you know, at least not in terms of, oh, that's that person I know. That's that's friendly person. Like he, he, won't, he won't find you a threat, but mm. he might not know the nuance. Because you know, he was only a baby. You know, he's, he's only what, 18 months now. And that's still, I think age four is the one where you'd be like, mm, this, is, this is meant to be a very informative age. Like from age four onwards, that's when things become a bit more set. You know, it's when your fundamentals go in. Uh, so, you know, how you develop. So anyone who's four right now is going to be, it's not necessarily a bad thing. You know? Obviously, they won't get enough chance to socialise. That's bad. But maybe like the more, the more concentrated one-on-one -on -one time with their parents will be a good thing. Maybe being resilient, you know, being adaptable and resilient at this age will be helpful. It's, it's, again, there's so many options, so many outcomes. Mm. So... It's really hard to pin anything down in regards to what's going to happen. That's that's fair. Um, 
I mean, looking beyond the whole developmental and, and social relationships element, uh, a friend of um, mine, Anne Harrod, has asked if the sudden introduction of stress to the parents, because obviously as soon as COVID hit, you know, everybody got stressed. Everybody yes. was panicky and worried. And children, you know, obviously happy running around sticking forks and electrical outlets or whatever <laughs> and, and entertaining themselves. But they are receptive to how their parents feel, you know. And so totally. how how will this how, how could that potentially affect a child? They're suddenly they're aware that their parents are more stressed. Um, and my friend Anne Harrod pointed out there's this sudden uh, influx of obsessive hygiene. I mean, obviously, you know, most parents, I assume, aren't completely happy with their kids just like licking the floor every day but if it is suddenly this new onus of we must wash our hands and it must be like this and they can see mum and dad you know fussing around with hand gel and and that sort of thing does that create a level of anxiety for the child that wouldn't have been there before and and are there going to be any long-term implications of that or again does it entirely depend yeah well it's a dependent thing but yes you're totally right in that Children are so perceptive to what their parents are putting out there. Mm. Children use their, especially at such a young age, their, their parents are like their their benchmark for how the world works. Like I say, so this is how people work. You learn this by studying your parents and what they do. And um, again, my mother was extremely uh, hygiene obsessed when I was born. Apparently, like she said, she sterilised the entire house like every day. Um, she was, you know, she's only twenty. She's a young mother. She wants to do it right, and so on and so on. So you know, I totally get it, but. At one point, she was like, "said I was, I was, I was constantly sterilizing the phone." And I think, "What? How many calls is a baby going to get?" <laughs> so, <laughs> young master Burnett there. We have baby a new, business to do. <laughs> see if he wants to join our book club. Apparently, he's <laughs> 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 three weeks old, mate. But um, yeah, so it it is a thing which is you know definitely working. I think what the problem is that so many people seem to have this idea that you know any negative impact you have on your child is best you have to try and avoid it and it's pretty much impossible to do that and you can't you know it's like saying you can, you've got a new car you've got to drive it because that's you know otherwise it'll seize up and just like, crumble mm. but you can't get any dust on it you can't get any scratches you can't get any stain on it whatsoever like that's not possible to do that you can you, you've got to just do what you can keep as safe as you can and you know take the knocks as, as and when they happen and because it's our children, because we are so sort of focused on protecting them at all costs. Uh, well, most parents, I know some parents have a little more of a laissez-faire attitude, perhaps, but you know, each their own, I guess. But it's um, yeah, it's it's this idea that you know you have to do everything you can to protect and <clears throat> um, prevent anything bad happening to your children, and that's that's not a healthy approach either. It's you need to have the the ups and downs. You need to have these things so you can develop properly. Otherwise, if you if you protect your child from everything, that's not good. Isn't it? They, they will not develop the ability to handle stresses down the line or handle things later in life. And I, think, I don't think as a child exists in these days which hasn't experienced <laughs> their parents stressed because that's mm. part of parenting. You know, babies are incredibly hard work, incredibly stressful. So from the first, look, the very, arguably the very first few months of a child's life is, is basically a constant bombardment of a stressed parent. And they come through it. You know, it it's okay. It's not um, not something which causes a lot lasting damage. I mean, it, it can happen, but usually for other reasons. Like it's part of a wider tapestry. So 
yeah, I mean, I imagine kids are going to be experiencing a lot of you know, indirect stress from their parents during this whole time. But hey, what, what, what can you do about that? And be it's okay. Like that's going to happen. And kids are resilient. People are resilient. You know, you can get over these things. Even if it is harm caused, that's not necessarily you know. Like I said, I think a few times earlier, that's not like no, it's harm done now and that's it forever now. Now, now, now you're screwed. Mm. It's, it's it's way more complex than that. And you can pick up lost time. You can pick up the slack. You can get back in a better shape, like you would, you know, if you go through a period of eating badly. Then oh, I need to go back to the gym. You you work on it and you improve. And the brain does that does that as well. So yes, there'll be downsides of all this for kids, but kids are tougher than you give them credit for more often than not. As is my experience with most parents. I mean, I suppose as well that the the benefit is that this isn't just like you know affecting one or two kids. This is affecting all kids. Like all kids are going to come out of this lockdown or come out of this pandemic, and they will all have had this shared experience. And obviously, shared experience is something we spoke about on the first episode of this series, isn't it? Um, and so. It's yeah, I guess it's a very much we're all in this together attitude. Um, hmm. So it's it's not specifically like you know any one kid is going to be left behind when everybody's been sort of put on pause like this. Yeah, but it's um, going to like a lot of people say, and it's a fair point that it's going to exaggerate the already existing you know privilege divides. And some kids hmm. have like very attentive parents with you know, financial security and constant access to the internet so they can keep up their learning. As opposed to kids from deprived homes, you know, like the single parents who have to work all the time, and you know, so it'll yes, there will be others who don't have the resources that other kids have, and then they will have a different experience. But say on average, by and large, yeah, all the kids are sort of being held back at the same time, rather than two or three kids who have lost a year of education and all the other kids haven't, and that's mm. that's that's a different kettle of fish, like you say. So, uh, Laura did ask earlier. She said. As restrictions are lifted, what what can parents think about doing that means that the transition won't be too jarring for kids? Because you obviously mentioned that that Millen, you know, is, is a little bit more nervous looking for you, that sort of thing. Um, friend Anne Harrod has said, you know, that her kids maybe getting a bit sort of concerned about hand hygiene and that sort of thing. So what what can parents do to sort of smooth the transition back to normality for their kids um laura did ask me she said is it going to be as simple as simply throwing them into soft play like a <laughs> child grenade and hoping for the best or will parents need to be mindful of specific factors um yeah if, i think i've mentioned it before but if if it was a case of right tomorrow lockdown over everyone back to normal then yeah, there would be a lot of like, okay, what the hell do we do now? What's the best approach here? That's going to be confusing. But because it's being staged, mm. like even like I know we're in Wales, we have a different set of lockdown rules, which I kind of prefer. They seem a bit more, <laughs> a bit more careful. But you know, even like the English one is so sort of staggered. So there will be sort of slow but gradual progression back into a more normal existence, and that's going to be good. Like anything, sudden sharp changes are the main problem and then, you know, when lockdown happened it was quite rapid but the change was okay you're not going to school anymore but you are staying home you're not sort of going from one thing to the other you're just sort of not doing this thing you usually do but you're still in a safe environment you're still you know everything's familiar around you if kids were suddenly like the kids who have to do like uh, you know, like uh, 
care workers' kids have to go to this weird new school setup where they're just looked after by you know, someone who's not their teacher, then that must have been a bit, a uh, bit of a, a struggle for a lot of them because you know, I don't know what this is. What, what what's happening here? Why am I doing this? What's going on? Mm. Um, but yeah, I think if you can just do it gradually, so like you know, now we can see more people. Okay, see more people, like, but don't do anything more than that. Or now we can. Um, you know, you go back to school. That's going to be a jolt, but I think a lot of kids will really enjoy it because um, I'm sort of concerned about kids who, like, my, both mine just missed it from my son's not quite old enough to go to secondary school and my youngest is a bit too old for, you know, older than nursery. So if it was like this was meant to be their first year of school, this would have been a real sort of shock to the system for a lot of people because, like, well, how do you do that? How do you go from lockdown to school to a whole new environment which you've never been in before? That's going to be a tricky one. Um, imagine this: people have thought of that, and the system is in place for it. But yeah, I think slow and steady, gradual sort of changes rather than short, sharp shock. Again, even if you did sort of sudden change in things, some kids might like that. They might just like, oh, look, new things, novelty. We we love that. That's amazing. I can't remember the last time I experienced something new, and it might be a good thing. But for like, if you want to be cautious, then yeah, so slow changes, incremental changes are always the way to go because that doesn't trigger like you know, the the negative reactions in the brain it's um gives it time to pace itself and adapt you know at its own speed sure so the key takeaway here is parents don't worry your children are resilient um uh, yes but also i don't i don't like telling parents not to worry because that's part of being a parent it's like well of course yeah. yes but but it, there's it, there's yeah. no reason for any undue panic or concern for their kids and the way that this is going to have impacted them i'd say it's more a case of you know if you worry about you know, your kids being negatively impacted by this that's a very valid and legitimate thing to think and it, it may well be happening it may like they have negative impacts but it's more like appreciating that these negative consequences are by no means fixed or permanent you can address these kids can bounce back they can rebound they can <clears throat> they can adapt again yeah, so I think this, this this notion that if something bad happens to my kid, that's it. I've you know I've failed as a parent. I've you know, their lives have ruined or you know, less less successful than they're going to be. Uh, no, so this idea that any bad thing that happens to a kid will cause lasting permanent damage, which will hinder them forever. That's a notion which you know, you can quite easily let go of for now. I think because that's very very rare that that, that can happen. Mm. Okay. And in the meantime, perhaps parents should, you know, would do well to enjoy their kids going back to school and, and having a bit of a breather after a, the best part of a year of homeschooling, which I can only imagine has been an absolute nightmare. Yes, absolutely. It's, um, again, it depends on the child, but I think my wife has a, a phrase she always really quite liked. I think it's from uh, yeah, Mumsy Mum or something, or one of the mummy bloggers, but I think she said, if you never want to strangle your children, you never you're not spending enough time with them. As in, like they they are, you know, they are a massive burden on you as well as you know they are the most important thing in my life. But they're also demanding. They need things. Mm -hmm. They are unreasonable because they are not, <laughs> they're not they're not developed enough to grasp things. And yeah, no, it is a stress having kids, and you have every right to be stressed, especially when usual options of them going to school or them like the grandparents looking after them or babysitters or you just going out for a bit. These are all deprived of you now. So you've got like parenting on hard mode a lot lately because there's no other option. And it's fine and reasonable to feel stressed and worn out and wrung out after all that. Mm -hmm. Especially again, oh, I'm the homeschooling thing where you're doing something you're not meant to be doing based on your training. You know, you're not a trained teacher. This is this is a skill. Teachers <laughs> get paid and do their jobs for a reason because mm -hmm. they have the skill set to do it. And most parents don't because it's not something we've 
opted to do. There's a there's a school, a primary school near where I live, <clears throat> and this morning as I was taking the bins out, I saw my neighbour taking his kids over to drop them off, and the the size of the smile on his face, yeah. it was like he'd won the lottery, just marching them down the road, <laughs> shunting them into the gates and just striding home like, yes. <laughs> well, we spent all like week sort of getting my daughter ready to sort of like, back to school on Wednesday, back to school on Wednesday. And she's like, mm, I'm not sure because it's a new thing. And mm. This morning, I just strolled in. Bye, Dad. <laughs> Bye, then. <laughs> right. Absolutely no qualms about it whatsoever. So. Right, exactly. And yeah. I think I'm sure that a lot of parents will be relieved to, to hear that and, and probably will have their own experience, similar experiences, you know, mm. kids just back in the saddle. Because, yeah. I mean, we, we talk obviously about like how stressful it is for parents to have their kids at home all the time. But obviously the kids are bored too, aren't they? They're Absolutely, bored and yeah. they want to get out and yeah. see anyone that's not mum or dad. So My son is deeply resentful of his sister because she gets to go to school. And I guess that's maybe one thing going forward. Is in, you might get a lot or far fewer complaints of kids going, I don't want to go to school. Like, oh, remember when you didn't go to school? Oh, yep, yep, sorry, sorry. <laughs> so nobody yeah. wants that again. Right, exactly. <laughs> then that, that, will be, that will be the new sort of, like, be careful what you wish for of our exactly. time, won't it? Yeah, some kid somewhere's got a monkey paw with one finger less and he's not happy about it. <laughs> yeah, what have you done? <laughs> <laughs> All right then, Dean. Well, good talking to you as usual. You and too, just a reminder to everybody, um, if you have any questions that you'd like us to discuss or subjects that you'd like us to mull over um, about the pandemic or otherwise, and just even loosely related to mental health, then give us a shout. We're at um, at Brain Yapping Pod. Um, and, oh my gosh, I have again forgotten the email. It's okay. Uh, we'll, we'll put it in the blurb underneath this. <laughs> I usually do, yes, don't worry. Marvellous. Uh, I'll do an outro which covers everything again. Don't worry. All right then. Cool. I'll speak to you later, Dean. See you, Rachel. Bye. Bye. So, here is the outro with the relevant information, as promised. If you want to ask us anything mental health related or would like to suggest a topic for Rachel and I to discuss, or even just leave feedback or some description, you can contact us via Twitter at BrainYappinPod, you can email us at BrainYappinPodcast at gmail.com, or use the form on my site at deanbonnet.com. Like with most podcasts, positive reviews and ratings are always helpful, so if you are inclined to leave us such a thing on the podcast provider of your choice, that would be appreciated. Uh, this podcast was launched to coincide with the publication of my new book, Psychological, uh, Why Your Mental Health Goes Wrong and What You Can Do About It, uh, or some of the subtitle, all about mental health and what's actually happening in our brains when we experience problems with it. Available now at all good book retailers and some of the less salubrious ones too, not fussy. As ever, Brain Yapping Battle Damaged is part of the Cosmic Shambles Network. For more curiously entertaining podcasts, live streams and live events, blogs and documentaries, head to CosmicShambles.com. To support the network, particularly during these times, and get access to lots of exclusive content, subscribe at patreon.com forward slash cosmic shambles. See you next time.